0: All right, all right, all right. Let's see here. Time to record this Matrix Revolutions pod. Let's go through the old black book here and see who's interested. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Let's Hello? Oh, hey, carrots. it's John. John, what's up? Yeah, I'm, I'm just recording a podcast on the Matrix Revolutions, and I thought that maybe since, you know, since you helped me with the first Matrix, that you might be interested in... Must have just lost her connection there or something. Let's try uh let's try someone else here. Hello? Hey Dan, it's John. I'm sorry, who is this? John, like uh, you know, we've we played in multiple bands together. You know, we've known each other for you know about ten years, We have karaoke all the time. John. Oh, hey oh hey John. What's up? I'm actually just recording a podcast on the Matrix Revolutions, and I thought you might want to get on some of that action. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Hang on, hang on one second, okay?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Take your time. Jeez, harsh. Also, how the hell did he hang up the phone after he drove away? Uh, let's see here. You know what? I bet I know someone that would do it. Hey, Neo, it's John. I uh just wondering if you wanted to do a Matrix Revolutions podcast with me. I'm having, having a little trouble finding someone to do it with me. Why? I don't know, just for fun and to you know educate people about the movies before the Matrix Resurrections comes out. What do you think?
1: No. I can't do that.
0: I won't. Attitude on that one. I wonder if CineLinks.com editor-in-chief Jordan Mason would be interested. Let's try this out. Hello. Hey, Jordan. It's John.
1: Oh, hey. What's going on?
0: Want to do a Matrix Revolutions podcast with me?
1: Oh, you better believe I'm following that white rabbit. Let's do this.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Desert of the Real. I'm your host, John Pataki, and this is Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than a machine drill digging for Zion into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're talking about The Matrix Revolutions, the end of the trilogy, and to uh, talk about the actual movie with me is the only person that can navigate the mechanical lines of The Matrix Revolutions. That's Editor in Chief at CineLinks.com, Jordan Mason. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Are you ready to talk about The Matrix Revolutions? I'm here to spread the good word. The Gospel of Neo. Yes. Before we actually talk about the last movie in the trilogy, um, let's spend a little time. What's your relationship to The Matrix? How did The Matrix come into your life? What are your thoughts on The Matrix as a whole?
1: You know, I, I was in high school when, you know, the first film came out. Or just about to go into high school. Yeah. And, you know, it came out the same year as, you know, Episode One and Star Wars is my main huge fandom, but you know, I love all things sci-fi and I ended up catching this one when it came out, you know, on, on VHS. I sadly didn't get to see the first one in the theaters, but when I saw it at home, I was, I mean, just blown away. Just the whole concept, the action. Uh, when I was younger, I mean, I, I still do, but you know, I was just getting into martial arts a little before Matrix came out oh, wow! and I was really deep, really deep into martial arts when it came out. And, and uh, when the sequels came out, I was already uh, a teacher for my local karate school and helping to run the place. Oh, wow. So martial arts was a huge part of my life. Sure. And obviously that that aspect of it was huge for me. Mm-hmm. And my 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 best friend and I at the time to help you know promote our school and to get some new students and stuff. When the sequels came out, we actually did a whole demonstration at the theater. Love it. The The opening night in front of people, and we gave out cards and stuff like that and got a lot of new students out of it. So it was really cool. You know, the martial arts was a big thing, but I love the story element of it. And, you know, I've always loved film, but I can say I I really think the sequels right before Reloaded came out was where I really started diving deeper into movies in general. And sure. I started doing the speculation and theories and how different things tied together stuff that I do now, you know, and write about and get paid for right. you know, the matrix
0: franchise is pretty much where that, that mindset started. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to that where I, I think it was in the last episode, I was kind of talking about how the, like the, the architect reveal in matrix reloaded kind of got my mind spinning. and was like, what else is out there? That's like this mm-hmm. kind of, kind of the same thing of like theorizing. Like I didn't know that, you know, movies could really do that at that point. I was just so used to watching your Jurassic Parks and your things like that that are just kind of one shot and done. But it's like actually mm-hmm. diving diving into that fan theorizing. You know, The Matrix is a huge part of that for me as well. That's awesome that you got that you were uh, like a martial arts demonstration at the beginning of the movie. I missed that. I missed that aspect of like opening night movie culture. That doesn't really seem to really happen anymore. Where like I remember very clearly Revenge of the Sith coming out. And people doing lightsaber training on stage, you know, as a demonstration. and like mm-hmm. Kind of like loose applause, people kind of like half paying attention. But I was just like, this is the best. Let's move into The Matrix Revolutions with a little segment called The Download. You might be asking, uh, after The Matrix and The Matrix Reloaded, just what could happen in The Matrix Revolutions? Well... We're here to tell you about that. Neo and Bane lie unconscious in the medical bay of the ship, the Hammer. Inside the Matrix, Neo is trapped in a subway station named Mobile Avenue, a transition zone between the Matrix and the machine world. He meets a family of programs, including a girl named Sati, who may or may not be super important in the Matrix Resurrections. The father tells Neo the subway is controlled by the Trainman, a program loyal to the Merovingian. When Neo tries to board a train with the family, the Trainman refuses and overpowers him.
1: After that... Seraph contacts Morpheus and Trinity on behalf of the Oracle, who informs them of Neo's confinement. Seraph, Morpheus, and Trinity enter Club Hell, where they confront the Merovingian and force him to release Neo. Troubled by visions of the Machine City, Neo visits the Oracle, who reveals that Smith intends to destroy both the Matrix and the real world. She tells him that everything that has a beginning has an end. After Neo leaves, a large group of Smiths assimilate Sati and Sarah. The Oracle does not resist
0: assimilation, and Smith gains her powers of precognition. In the real world, the crews of the Nebuchadnezzar and the Hammer find and reactivate Niobe's ship, the Logos. They interrogate Bane. Da, da, da. As the captains plan their defense of Zion, Neo requests a ship to travel to the Machine City. Motivated by her encounter with the Oracle, Niobe offers him the Logos. Neo departs, accompanied by Trinity. Bane, who is stowed away in the Logos, takes Trinity hostage. Neo realizes that Bane has been assimilated by Smith, and a fight ensues. Bane burns Neo's eyes out with a power cable, blinding. Neo discovers that he can still see machine source code in the real world, and uses the ability to kill Bane. Trinity pilots them to the Machine City. Niobe and
1: Morpheus rest towards Zion in the hammer to aid the human defenses. Zion's shipyard is overwhelmed by a horde of sentinels, and the fatally wounded Captain Mifune instructs Kid open the gate for the hammer. When it arrives, it discharges its EMP, disabling all the Sentinels present, but also Zion's remaining defenses. The humans are forced to retreat and wait for the next attack, thinking it will be
0: their last stand. Gotta love when a movie just has a character named Kid. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> the Logos is attacked by a wave of machines outside of Machine City. To avoid the onslaught, they fly above them to open sky and then crash into a building, fatally wounding Trinity. Neo enters machine city and encounters the leadership of the machine in the form of the deus ex machina. Neo warns that Smith plans to conquer both the Matrix and the real world and offers to stop Smith in exchange for peace with Zion. The deus ex machina agrees and the sentinels shut down, stopping the attack on Zion. The deus ex machina of course being the big baby face machine, uh, which I really want to get a tattoo of, but anyways. The machines plug
1: Neo into the
0: Matrix, whose
1: population has now been almost entirely assimilated by Smith. The Smith with the Oracle's power steps forth, telling Neo he has foreseen his victory against Neo. After a protracted fight, Neo appears to concede defeat and allows himself to be assimilated. Outside the Matrix, the machines send a surge of energy into Neo's body, which inside the Matrix causes the Neo-Smith clone, then all the other Smith clones to be destroyed. The Sentinels withdraw from Zion, Morpheus and Niobe embrace, and Neo's lifeless body is carried away by the machine.
0: <laughs> Gotta mention that Morpheus and Niobe embrace. It's really important to the plot. Yeah. Um, yes, yes it's, it's crucial that Niobe and uh, Morpheus embrace, after all that tension. The, the Matrix is rebooted, and the Architect meets the Oracle in a park. They agree that the peace will last as long as it can, and that those humans who desire it will be offered the opportunity to leave the Matrix. The Oracle tells Sati that she thinks they will see Neo again. Seraph asks the Oracle if she knew this would happen. She replies she did not know, but she believed. Neo, I believe. Yeah, so that's the Matrix revolutions in a nutshell we'll get more into it in, in a second we head into the hollow chamber but at this point just some facts about the movie itself release date november 5th 2003 directed by lillian lana wachowski also written by lillian lana wachowski just like the rest of the trilogy music by don davis everyone's back for this one keanu reeves as neo Carrie Ann moss as trinity lawrence fishbert as morpheus of course hugo weaving as millions and millions of agent smiths jada pinkett smith as niobe a new oracle mary alice ian bliss as hugo weaving as bane lambert wilson as the Mirror Indian, Nathaniel Lees as Captain Mifune. I hope we can talk about him a little bit more. Uh, old Helmut Bakaitis back at the end as the architect. And uh, Tanvir Atwal as Sati. Oh, and also Bruce Spence as the train man, who I just found out doing the research was Tian Medan in Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Crazy guy in Utapau. I didn't realize that. And also the mouth of Sauron in the extended version of Return of the King. He's everywhere. He really is. He's kind of a that guy character. Road warrior. Those are the key cast members. Fight choreography by Yen Wu-Ping. Storyboards and concept art by Steve Scrooge and Jeff Darrow, who plotted out the whole trilogy and you know, all this brilliant, beautiful concept art. Budget of uh, 110 to $150 million. Box office, $427.3 And then here's where it gets real brutal, is uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. The critics, 35%. Rough. Tough stuff. The audience, the lowest by far, with the 60%. Do you think that that's fair, Jordan? No, they're (laughs) all wrong. In my head, uh, Revolutions was kind of the odd duck of the series. But, you know, revisiting for this episode and just recently just to get pumped for Resurrections, I'm like, wow, it's a really strange movie unto itself. But as Mm -hmm. the closer of a trilogy, I think it's actually really, really well done. To get more into that, let's head into the Hollow Chamber. Initiating Hollow Chamber Protocol. You are now entering the Hollow Chamber. As I mentioned, it was a a little difficult to find someone that was willing and excited to talk about The Matrix Revolutions. And luckily, as uh, my quest continued, a lot of people pointed me your direction as a a fan, as a lover of the whole trilogy as a whole, and specifically of revolutions. What do you make of the legacy of The Matrix Revolutions being the worst of the trilogy?
1: I mean... (laughs)
0: It's it's hard. I I like lots of movies that nobody else seems to like.
1: And, (laughs) and, you know, I've always encouraged people because, you know, especially online now, if you don't like the same thing somebody else does, you know, you can get dunked on pretty easily. Sure. Uh, But, you know, I've always argued that it's fine to like, you know, even bad movies, as long as you can acknowledge that, hey, you know, this isn't certain aspects aren't great. You know, you can like what you like, but certain aspects aren't great. Uh, and I normally never try and change anyone's opinion, you know, whether good, bad, whatever, but I will always stop and preach Matrix Revolutions is good, And, and I think a lot of it boils down to what people were expecting. We see that a lot these days, you know, expectations versus what happens, and I think we got some of that when it comes to Revolution. Also, I think part of it has to do with, looking back on it now, was how it was released. It came out just a few months after reloaded you know they they shot these back to back and the whole plan which was really bold and i couldn't see them ever doing it again right uh was you know they the first movie launched in like may and then november revolutions comes out so you really only had six months right five months of a gap I I think they needed more of a gap. Yeah, I understand the the thing is like, man, I need you know I need to know what happens. It really it in, ends on this big cliffhanger, but we needed that gap to really examine, reload it a little bit more. You know, when people talk to me about it, they talk about how revolutions goes way off the path as far as the thought-provoking stuff that it brings to the table. And I think it's not any more than what the rest of the trilogy is. I mean, the right. first Matrix, especially, is all about opening your mind
0: sure.
1: and presenting all these different thought-provoking ideas. And Reloaded was full-on action. And I think Revolutions goes more... I mean, it's got tons of action and a big epic conclusion, but I think it, it did more to try and tie back to the original film's Thoughts and, sure. and ideas that it presented, so I think there was some disconnect there because people just came off, you know, the excitement and action of Reloaded, and then they were thrust into this, you know, more mindful, intellectual ender. And I think they struggled with that. And I think more of a gap would have helped because there's lots of things to think about in Reloaded.
0: It's not just the action. And the thing with Reloaded is, I think the house of cards started to fall apart a little bit. You know, everyone was so psyched about the Matrix, the original Matrix, that when Reloaded hit, where it wasn't quite what people were expecting, it's interesting you say it's like action-packed, action-packed, because it it is, it has... The burly Brawl it has that amazing highway chase, but it is essentially five sit-down philosophical conversations with characters where people literally sit down and talk to each other for five, ten minutes on end. And then, you know, the people that liked it wanted to continue. But I think that a lot of people were kind of just pulled along a bit like, okay, let's see how it ends, I guess. And personally, I think the disconnect with Revolution is people remember kind of the Zion assault and are like, this isn't really what I signed up for, <laughs> is just humans Shooting electricity guns and like crazy walkers that holster their guns like cowboys do. Fighting off mm-hmm. waves and waves of squids. You know, it's like, that's not really what, yeah. what excited people about it. But it's like, this is the story. Therefore, like you have that assault and then you have Neo's journey concluding during it. So... People remember the Zion assault, but I think that there's actually the most interesting philosophical things happening in revolution Mm -hmm. with mobile Avenue station and the ending itself, how the film resolves itself through Neo's sacrifice are two of the most interesting aspects of the whole trilogy to me in the final movie. So I think those things get kind of washed over by, you know, 45 minutes of trying to blow up a drill with a rocket launcher
1: but that's cool. It is. It's, I mean, it's so
0: cool. It's so cool. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah,
1: and that's what, I guess that's where I kind of struggle with some of the, the those critiques. Because, yeah, I mean, a lot of people just, like, check out at the Zion battle. But this is an epic, huge battle. I mean, I've always uh, likened it to, you know, some of the Lord of the Rings battles. Sure. that You know, we saw in the Two Towers and Return of the King is this huge, epic scale uh, war which you're right that's that's not what people expected from the matrix and you know because it's more of a personal intimate fights with you know the, the martial arts and stuff mm-hmm. like that which is yeah. great but that's what i love about you know the the whole trilogy is that it, it never fits into one box it does what it needs to tell the story and it it, it tries weird strange things that shouldn't work <laughs> but somehow do Absolutely. You know that's why I've always liked the battle. Yeah, it's different, but it's also epic at the same time. And uh, you know, you give me a huge epic battle, I'm hard
0: pressed to not like it. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way with like I, even with like Thor: The Dark World, where they have like the Dark Elves fighting. I'm like, this is really cool, guys. Like, I don't know why I don't know why you hate on this movie so much because this part is awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like you know, there's 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 thrilling moments to it. There are some parts of the battle that drag, and maybe it does go on a little too long. But like, you can't tell me that you don't. Get that second wave of dread when the Sentinels pop in for the first time. The second wave comes in, and it's like even thicker and wilder. And like, yeah, it's, it's the you you can see. And feel kind of hope becoming lost like you said I think some of it
1: does boil down to pacing issues mm. like you said there's these long moments of talking and then long battle sequence back to another long you know maybe it could have been
0: spaced out better but yeah you know pacing aside the elements given are great I really have not seen a battle sequence like that before where it's just like domed in interior you're fighting off these drills that are boring through the defenses you can't use the thing that'll kill them mm-hmm. because because it'll knock off your other defenses and end up killing you in the long run. So there, there's a bit of tension to it that I really enjoy. But I, I agree. I think that the pacing might be the thing that really turned people off at that point. Beyond that, though, that being a good chunk of the movie, what we don't really focus on but need to more is... The Neo stuff. I wanted to kind of start with this being the end of the trilogy. You know, the first movie starts off. It's about birth. Reloaded is about life and the choices you make during your life and and what the meaning of life and and pursuing those choices is. And then uh, Matrix Revolutions is about death and dying, cycling over again. And obviously now resurrection. You get Neo becoming this (laughs) almost... Two on the nose, but I love it. Messiah figure who gets his eyes burned out. And, you know, it all starts off with Neo in the Mobile Avenue Station, which is an anagram for Limbo. It's Neo caught between the Matrix and the real world after Matrix powers crossed over into the real world in Reloaded. With the mobile station, what aspects of the storytelling, what aspects of Neo's journey do you pull from that?
1: I mean, I, I liked it in that it like any good hero you know the hero's journey there's a place where they find themselves at almost you know a a crossroads you know not necessarily the same one that where they answer the call but where they realize that they are still mortal in that despite all their power that they could still lose and i think that that's that's exactly what happens here uh when he's you know stuck in this limbo is you know even as he tries to fight his way onto the train at one point, he realizes that all the powers he's accumulated don't work there. He's he's truly somewhere where, you know, he can't do anything, and he has to figure out what he's going to do. And, I, you know, it, it's a calm moment for him, a moment of reflection where he can look at Mm-hmm. all the
0: stuff that's been going on literally sitting on a bench neo spends so much time on this trilogy like sitting on a bench and like figuring things out it's great i think that's also where some people had problems because
1: <laughs> you know we went from these huge epic battles and this massive cliffhanger and then it literally opens with the slowest part <laughs> of nothing going on but you know when you look at it as as a whole for the
0: story it makes a lot of sense that this is where he ends up and especially when you pull it into like the messiah story of like this mm-hmm. is this is essentially the river Styx, right this is essentially mm-hmm. neo's a wayward soul at this point he's stuck between the world of the living and the world of the dead the train man is essentially the boatman from hades it's all pretty one-to-one with resurrection and rebirth myths and things like that and sati and her family like becoming um like sati is essentially means like mindfulness but it's Sati means memory of the present. So it's this like mm-hmm. philosophical, like Buddhist moment of Neo's choice happens in the now, in the moment here. Talking to the family about smuggling Sati into the Matrix after making a deal with the Merovingian because they're two programs that created this program Sati out of love is really beautiful and powerful for a movie about insane computer world trying to kill humans where you know Sati is a program that has no purpose the oracle in the matrix reloaded says like even the birds have a program but Sati just exists because her parents decided to create her and she exists to be loved and she exists to be love and smuggling her into the matrix is like this glimpse into the fact that the Matrix itself isn't really working for the machines either, like we spoke about in the last mm-hmm. episode. And they're adapting and becoming more human themselves by introducing choice and introducing love and introducing the idea that someone's existence is just kind of dictated by who they are, not what they're supposed to be doing. There's a, a, a ton going on in this like seemingly empty moment. You know, People aren't jumping and kicking and flipping and doing bullet time mm-hmm. and crashing through walls in this moment but like you said it's quiet and it's confident it's just it's just an interesting glimpse into like the world building of the matrix too it really works for me and i I really i think about it a lot there's just a lot going on and there's just something something i glean from it every time i rewatch the movie
1: yeah like you said you know probably one of the best things it does as far as establishing things down the road is the idea that the machines aren't necessarily the bad guys Right, Some are, obviously, but I think that's an important moment for Neo to realize that maybe there's, he's not just fighting for the humans, that maybe there's more to fight for. Absolutely. And, you know, this, you know, almost humanization of the machines, because up to this point, I mean, we had two whole movies where the machines equal bad guys, mm-hmm. period, Right. you know, and it's easy to see that, you know, when, you know, humans are the ones being enslaved, but then you get this moment where you can see that these specific machines obviously weren't the ones who made that choice you know and even they're working around the system that's in place to survive so you know it's a really nice setup and definitely something we hadn't seen before and brings up a lot of interesting questions that you know we get a little bit of down the road as neo ends up sacrificing himself for everybody Mm-hmm.
0: machines and humans. Right. The concept of the one becomes a little clearer to him that mm-hmm. the one is not just this all-powerful you know, guy that can fly around town and bend reality to his will. The one is a responsibility. We learn from the, the architect that it's a, a, a system of control and a design of the Matrix as well. But you know, he realizes that maybe... The The prophecy of the one is something a little more than just being all powerful. It's about making unifying choices between two worlds. And, you know, with Agent Smith running rampant as a, you know, essentially a virus at this point, mm-hmm. it becomes really clear to him how how he can bring peace between the two worlds. And that's why he's like, ask for that ship. And he's, he sees his visions of the power cable going to the machine city. It becomes very clear to him in that moment that I, I don't know why I need to go there, but I'm, I just need to go there and just... Try, try one thing. I got an idea. Let me go try this out. I. I know time is always against us. I'm sorry that I took so long, but I wanted to be sure. Sure of what? I know what I have to do. What? There's no easy way to say this, so I'll just say it. I have to take one of the ships. What? To go where? To Machine City. Before I forget, what I noticed this time, going to the Machine City, it's very, very Oz-like, very Emerald City, surrounded by a field of, of the pods, but the pods are like that mm-hmm. bright, bright red, like the poppies, which put Dorothy to sleep. You know, it's like all these, all these influences kind of popping in. I'm not sure if I've ever really noticed that before. In terms of, you know, I just mentioned Agent Smith. The final battle, too, I think is a point of contention usually for people. People at this point weren't used to the subversion of a chosen one character. Ultimately realizing his goal is to be the one, not the prophesized the one, but the one being a unity. Two sides of the same coin between Neo himself and then Smith, who is the unbalanced aspects of the equation, like the yin and yang aspect. So becoming that unifying principle with the, with that final battle, besides it being really awesome and I love it, I'll defend it to this day, even with all the insane CG that, you know, played the burly brawl as well, which I also loved in that case. What do you make of the final battle between Smith and Neo?
1: Oh man, I love it. There are some things I wish were a little better, like <laughs> practically speaking, the flying Combat is about as real. I mean, that is how it would look like if you were fighting someone while flying.
0: It's dope. It looks great. It's pretty realistic, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It you know you get hit, you get you know both people get knocked back. Yeah. There's you know there's you know physically you know, the the physics and the practicality part is it does that pretty well. I wish it did it less well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'm wish sure. it was more like Superman fight you know flying fight. Sure. Where you know they're a little more grounded
0: anyway. Do you do a lot of um, mid-air fights at your martial arts school? All the time. (laughs) Can't tell you how often that happens. Nice. I love it. But it's just, it's
1: cool. And overall, I love, I really love the setup. You know, when when Neo first shows up and and Smith is there and he says, look, you know, everybody else is going to watch because I'm the one that's going to beat
0: you. The hubris.
1: Yeah. So you don't necessarily get, you know, a repeat of the Burley Brawl from before. But what you get, you know, because of that, it feels way more personal. And it's once again back down to these two, even though, you know, hey, if he beats this one guy, there's, you know, millions more waiting sure. on him. Mm-hmm. But it's just such a cool moment, you know, where you can see the confidence. And, you know, Smith already feels like he's won. Neil doesn't care. He's still going to fight, and you see it throughout, the, throughout that battle. Even as Neo starts to lose, he keeps coming back, and he realizes that he has to keep coming back and until he ultimately realizes what he needs to do. Right. Even when he's you know, finally faced with an opponent, he's not sure he can beat. He still keeps going.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of the most, if not the most important lines of the whole trilogy is you know uh, Agent Smith saying, you know, Why, Mr. Anderson? Why do you persist? And Neo says, because I choose to. You must be able to see it, Mr. Anderson. You must know it by now. You can't win. It's pointless to keep fighting. Why, Mr. Anderson? Why? Why do you persist? Because I choose to. It might be too on the nose for some people and we were talking about the earnestness of the Wachowskis in our last episode. It's so in tune with the character and it's so in tune with the journey and it's so in tune with the moment and the themes of the of the trilogy in general that what is a choice that you don't make yourself? The illusion of choice versus the reality of choice. It even goes back to, you know, Neo showing up in front of the Deus Ex Machina babyface. Not the producer babyface, but the, the actual babyface, like <laughs> machine world, kingpin, babyface says, What do you want? not what what do humans want it asks what do you want and Neo says peace and that's his choice I've come here you could easily like tear me limb from limb right now but I have a proposition for you and I think you're gonna like it (laughs) and it involves taking down the Smith guy who's pretty out of control right now and then just that setup of him getting jacked in and like just the pure style and the setup of that moment of like of course it's gonna be Torrential downpour, fake rain, that thick ass rain that like looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Streets lined up and down with trillions of Smiths. Like, just the concept that every soul basically has been taken over in the Matrix by a Smith because he's so rampant. Just that moment and and the blow for blow aspect of it looks amazing, first of all. But it's just like, it's just something you've never seen before in live action is like this like intense real world anime fight. Like the rain bubbling up, the collision of their blows creating the rain to like blow out in a bubble or even when it stops and then all the rain falls in to like fill in because the... Oh, yes. It's, It's just... Really fucking cool looking. There's wacky moments. There's It doesn't really matter because they're going so big in the moment that it's just entertaining. But then when they're in that crater, Smith kind of becoming scared of not being able to see past the choice mm-hmm. that he made to be this nihilistic element in the Matrix. I, I didn't really think beyond just beating you, Neo. I don't really know what's after that. And it scares him. And he pulls back and Neo in that moment, that's when you kind of discovers this is my entire purpose is this moment is to just lay the fighting down and, and sacrifice, mm-hmm. sacrifice myself to <laughs> I don't, the ins and outs that are a little hazy to me, to be honest, like the philosophy behind it, the the metaphor behind it is pretty, pretty sound. But in terms of like what's actually going on, I couldn't tell you, you know, when he gets assimilated and it, essentially becomes an antivirus program from the source. I mean, yeah,
1: that's, that's pretty much what it seems is that right. they, they pumped in uh, an antivirus mm. to uh, take out
0: Smith. Updating their McAfee real quick and letting it rip.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, you know, like, like you said, I think that, that some of that ties into, you know, what we were talking about earlier about why it may not have been so well received. Cause like you said, it's, it's much more direct and, you know, we spent the last two films, you know, digging deeper in these subtle messages that were going into everything. Revolutions is not subtle; it <laughs> it absolutely tells you what it what it means to do. I think that also throws people off because they're used. To, you know, they were used to the first two films of of digging deeper, and I think there are things to dig in, but they are not subtle in the theme.
0: No, absolutely
1: not. Where you could make an argument and case for certain themes being present in the first two movies, third movie says, yes, this is what it's always been about, you know, and takes away any any sort of subtlety and is like, yes, this is about making choices and love and rebirth and what it means to be human. It just strips it all down. I think some, that, that might also have tied into why some people were less than thrilled with it because it kind of flipped
0: the script on them you know, they're used to looking deeper and suddenly they didn't have to. It doesn't get any less subtle than Neo with like the real world code behind him in a literal, like Christ on the cross. Pose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like... Is, what's funny is, and I've mentioned
1: it online before, but one of my favorite, favorite moments from revolutions when it first came out, I was there opening night and the minute the credits started rolling, some dude stood up in front and was like, Oh my God, they went and got all religious on us. And I was sitting there like, Have you not been paying attention the whole time? (laughs) They just got religious on you? It's very indicative that,
0: you know, they were not subtle with with this third movie. At the end of the day, it's a kung fu sci-fi movie. You know, it's like the added philosophy and Hero's Journey themes are icing on the cake. They wanted to make a live action anime. They succeeded. There was no real desire beyond people researching at the library and things like that themselves to understand that these are tales as old as time, but this version just wears a trench coat and, like, wrap around sunglasses. That's funny to me. And then, no, of course, the fourth one's called The Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, they they went and got religious on us again. They're doing it again. Yeah, real subtle. Real (laughs) subtle there. What else could it be called? And it's gonna rock so (laughs) friggin' hard. It's gonna be good. I did kind of want to get into some spoiler-free-ish conversation (laughs) about The Matrix Resurrections. If you don't want to have any of this in your head going into it skip ahead 2 minutes 3 minutes I don't know how much about the the next movie you know about at this point I would
1: say probably more than the average bear
0: uh some stuff that I think is probably
1: still theory on my part sure uh like I know certain certain things in characters and stuff that happens but you know, with Matrix, it's hard to know how they
0: all connect to each other. Or if they're the version that we know them as, or a different program version, or the real life yeah. version, or anything like that. It, what's fascinating to me about Resurrections is when it was first pitched and it was just Matrix 4 and Yaya Abdul-Mateen mm-hmm. was announced as part of the cast, I assumed that Neo and Trinity would be like supporting characters. I didn't even think it through because, you know, they die at the end, that... Yaya abdul Mateen would be this new hero. It mm-hmm. never entered my head that he would be Morpheus, which is like, what? And, you know, like from
1: Reloaded and, and even in Revolutions, they talk about how all this has happened before. And, you know, even the titles are, allude to that idea that, you know, this is, they've been doing this multiple times. And, yeah, when, when they said Yaya was going to be morpheus i thought it was cool and the whole theory i've been going with is that essentially yes the the matrix restarted like they always planned to do you know that's essentially what they do they wipe out humanity to a certain point and then they reload everything yeah you've had six versions of the one but you've also had six versions of morpheus who's found him you've had six versions of trinity who
0: you know is
1: there to help morpheus you know so you still have these these characters that show up every time to do what they need to do.
0: Absolutely.
1: And for resurrections, you know, when they, you know, even before we even knew his resurrections, you know, when we heard rumors that he was going to be a young uh, Morpheus, you know, some people took that as, you know, they're going back in time and showing a different version of the one, but you know, they're, out, they're going forward and still, you know, continuing the story. So mm-hmm. what you've got is an older Neo who's been reinserted. But now he's encountering these new versions of people that he knows, because that's what The Matrix does. It recycles and and, and continues. So you've got Morpheus, and then you've got Jessica Henwick's character, where from the first trailer, we saw that she's got the white rabbit tattoo. She's mm-hmm. essentially serving the Trinity role a Trinity, for, for this version of Morpheus. And so you had all these elements in there, but obviously the fact that Neo, the one didn't restart. But, you know, they made it clear, the architect makes it clear that they have to have a one in the matrix for it to work
0: to balance out the, uh, the the
1: anomaly yeah
0: yeah it has to be there
1: and so that's what i think happened is they essentially just reinserted him in order to make sure the program didn't fall apart and kill everybody
0: the role and the concept of the one was changed in like you said matrix reloaded implying that this is all continually happening in different iterations six six up to that point and reloaded but then revolutions being the matrix revolutions is not just like a cool name for debatable whether or not it's a cool name for a movie, but it's literally like revolutionizing how the matrix operates beyond this iteration of the one. So to bring him back in this, in my head, I wonder like, I don't have any evidence-based ideas of why this would be, but, like, is this the seventh Neo, or is this, like, the 150th version of... Like, where are we? Mm-hmm. Where are we in this timeline, and how many times has it reset itself? You know, it's probably not that far ahead, because I think about Priyanka Chopra as coming back as Sati, as an adult mm-hmm. version of Sati, and then in that teaser trailer we just saw, there's an old version of who I have to assume is Niobe in it, right? Like, yes. is that confirmed, Niobe, because... Uh, and it's it's she talks a lot like her and she looks a lot like her. It's like, not confirmed, but you know, I'd heard. From, <laughs> you're like you're like wink, some, wink. It's not confirmed, it, but
1: yeah, from some of my sources on some of the plot points I heard, I fully expect Niobe to be like in her 80s in oh, wow. this movie. I've so, never.
0: It's just something I never even thought about. Was. That the concept of, like, the Matrix rebooting itself with these different iterations is so, like, I'll just get lost in thought at work, like, thinking about it. (laughs) Like, I'll have, have like, a hundred-yard stare, and everyone's like, is this beer description done, John? I'm just, like, thinking about, like, the six versions of the one, you know? I'm just really fascinated to see what a fourth one can bring to this. And what, what is the question that needs to be answered? What is... What is the choice that needs to be made in this one? What is the point of bringing Neo back? Is his body actually existing? Because he's dead at the end of. Well, the we've seen of... trailers of him in the real world. That last little
1: one-minute teaser that we got this past week showed him, you know, in the real world. So he's obviously still there. It's one of the things with you know, again, Matrix. You can know all the plot points, but how they fit together, it can just go just about any direction. My big theory for resurrections in general. Is that the truce still exists? Machines, humans, and all that stuff. But uh, as we saw in revolutions, you know, with Sati and her family, not all the machines are on the same page. You know, what if there's a group of machines that don't agree with the truce, Ooh, and they it. decide to take take matters into their own hands? And if you it. look closely at that last little minute teaser we got, you can see machines fighting machines.
0: Oh, I had I, one I have, little sequence. I had not seen that. That's incredible. I got it
1: online. I pointed it out. I got a screenshot of everything. And you can clearly see that they are fighting, that there are two different machine ships. Ooh. You know, it's very obviously machines fighting each other. And so I, I think that's what's going on is that there, there's, there's another faction involved. And Neo is is gonna be put once again in the middle of it. Oh, wow,
0: yeah, fascinating. It's something it's I get I get so pulled to the side by in the initial trailer of them showing the original matrix over like in a projector right. Like, fights going on. Uh, that messed me up so bad that like i I haven't even thought about anything else regarding how anything could possibly <laughs> be going on because I think about it. and I feel like my theory for that, and I think this is a lot of peoples this isn't like my stop the internet, huge explosive theory is that there's going to be a meta element of a, of introducing the original matrix as like, mm-hmm. Oh no, that happened as like a thing inside of the matrix. It's like another level of control. Like, yeah, the, the events of the matrix happened in the matrix and it's just like, or like the movie happened in the matrix and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. rest- it's a restored memory of people being like, did not this happen? And they're like, no, no, that was like, a story that you saw in pop culture in this world that you live in. And so kind of pulling our, our existence, like you and I talking about the matrix is Mm -hmm. also a part of the matrix. It's just like, Another level of, of meta discussion in terms of like, oh, how can you actually really know that that wasn't like a cry for help from people from the Matrix that the, right. the movie existed? Those are thoughts that go back to the original Matrix of like smoking a joint in a dorm room talking about the Matrix. <laughs> but like, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I think it is another level of control. And I think that's specifically how they're working to keep Neo into the Matrix this time. After they reinserted him, I think that's what they did. What they changed was, essentially, they made him like, maybe they made him an actor. Yeah. And they, they're they saying that, look, these are movies you acted in. I hope. I hope. But yeah, he doesn't have the memory of, you know, he, so even if he had memories that randomly popped up of what happened before, he could, they could use that to explain away, look, yeah. you're an actor. That's why you remember these things happening. And it's how they keep him under control, but you know, and keep him locked into the matrix
0: this time around. It's inevitable that he'll, he will become this savior. It's just inevitable. No matter how many levels of control you put on the program of the one or the the idea of the one, he's still gonna find his way back to his purpose. And yeah. especially And then you know, seeing Trinity on the street and being like, I I know you. Yeah, triggers un- something. Unlocks these deeper memories and these deeper seated aspects of his his previous lives for his resurrection. It's just like, what the hell is it even going to be about? I love, I love it. If he ends up being Thomas Anderson in The Matrix, like I've heard some rumblings about the villains in the movie basically being like Warner Brothers executives. <laughs> like I've hmm. heard, I've heard a lot of wild ass rumblings about what the movie could possibly be, and if it's any of the above, I'm going to freak out. So,
1: after all these years, to be going back to where it all started—back to the Matrix—we
0: didn't even like touch on like Bane in the ship. I liked Bane a lot. Ian Bliss just rocking the. Agent Smith impersonation.
1: He did so well with
0: it. It's perfect. Oh, he did so well with it. It's
1: insane to me, like how he really—you uh, could fully believe that it was Hugo weeping <laughs> yeah. inside that man.
0: Absolutely uh, possessed.
1: Yes, it was so cool, and I like the idea that Neo can never really escape his destiny and what he's—he's he's meant to do, and that—that right. that Smith will always be his. Well. Again, we're not subtle. He will always be his bane. Uh, you know? Who are you?
0: Still don't recognize me. I admit it is difficult to even think encased in this rotting piece of meat. The stink of it filling every breath. A suffocating cloud you can't escape. <laughs> Disgusting. I'm not sure if the execution was absolutely the best, but. I'm happy for the idea. I'm happy that the idea of just like, especially after that insane cliffhanger at the end of Reloaded, the literal like dun, 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 showing how, mm-hmm. in, how insane he is and persistent and just how obsessed with Neo he is. And the aspect of a program inhabiting a human's body and he's testing his body he cuts himself and is like, Oh, this is just meat. He's so deranged at this point that he's like these self-inflicted wounds on your arms. What are you doing? And it's just such great character building for kind of a, thr- yes. not, not a, not a throwaway character, but kind of like a, a character uses a device. And it's like just a, a, such a great detail of this guy. That's just like, Oh, I can feel this. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say about the revolutions as a whole? Or do you think we covered everything?
1: A little bit on the, the ending part, you know, we talked about how the the Oracle says she thinks we'll see Neo again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that is, you know, like I said, probably due to they're used to the cycle coming back, you know, even if they've changed things, certain elements of that cycle will be, you know, coming back. And again, it ties into the, the mysticism, the religious aspect of it, you know, this Messiah character, no one's ever truly gone, you know, like, Uh you know, The once and future king, you know, I like how there's this overwhelming feeling of hope. Things have changed for the better, but you've got to keep, you know, just like the architect says, how long do you think it's going to last? It's like, look, you know, as long as we can. And I think that's all anybody can ask. And it speaks to that bigger theme of we always have to choose to do better. And to do the right thing. To persist continually. And if we don't, then yes, things can, can slide back. But that doesn't mean that it's all for nothing.
0: Yeah, that's great. Are you ready to take on the trials, Jordan? Yes. <laughs> Let the trials commence! Jordan, your first category is Versus. Your verses is famous disappointing part threes versus the matrix revolutions. I have disappointing in quotes because I don't think the matrix revolutions is a disappointing end. Some of these are not just yeah. dis- disappointing ends, but we're kind of viewed as such at the time. So basically I'm going to take you down matrix revolutions versus a list of part threes of trilogies that uh, were not so wor- warmly received. So are you ready? Am I deciding which one of those two I like better or which one? was actually the most disappointing. <laughs> that's a good point of clarification. Which one do you think... <laughs> I should have thought this through more. I think choosing which of the two you liked better. Okay. I think that's the most simple simplified version of it. Yeah. So, let's get going. So, The Matrix Revolutions versus Return of the Jedi.
1: Uh...
0: uh... You just you just explode like Agent Smith at the end? Probably Return of the Jedi. Probably because I've seen it the most. Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie of all time, so I'm going Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. The Matrix Revolutions versus X-Men the last stand. Absolutely. Matrix Revolutions, holy crap. It's really just unbelievable how how off the rails it's that so movie bad. went. This is uh, kind of a machine versus machine lineup. The Matrix Revolutions versus Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines.
1: <laughs> I, oh man, I, I'm going to say Revolutions is definitely a superior film, but <laughs> I am one of the few people that, that actually kind of like Rise of the Machines. I like it I too. Dig, I dig the things that it did. I understand completely why it it turned so many people off? It's dumb but as hell. I think it. Oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> but it had some cool ideas in there that I I just don't think were executed the the right way.
0: For sure, and I like that. Like I really love a downer ending. I love that the nukes still go off. If you watch two of the most perfect movies of all time, Terminator and Terminator Two. Uh, and then watch mm. T3. It's just the, the, one of the biggest drop-offs in movie history. But it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good like hangover Sunday afternoon movie. Let's move on to The Matrix Revolutions versus Alien 3. Uh, that's a good one. I think they both get more crap than they deserve. Totally.
1: Uh, I'm going to give it to Revolutions, though. Again, sure. probably because I've watched that more
0: than Alien 3. But I will also make the case that Alien 3 is good. I'm going to go Alien 3 actually. Sorry, the Matrix. I love nice. Alien 3 is like, you know, it was my introduction to David Fincher, probably you know, one of my top 5 favorite directors ever. And it's insane. It's such a it's it's so bleak. It's so dark and weird. You know, there's famous backlash of like David Fincher like disowning it and, you know, mm-hmm. all all the all the turmoil behind the scenes and it's like whatever it's such a bizarre turn from aliens which is also i mean obviously one of the most perfect movies ever made but i think alien 3 is good and I'll I'll, I'll I'll die on that hill for sure let's go back to a galaxy far far away the matrix revolutions versus the rise of skywalker a part nine technically but part three of, of hell yeah. yeah of that trilogy yeah you know what i'm
1: doing uh as yeah, as far as the better movie, Revolutions, it tells a more competent story. But again, kind of like the others, I liked Rise of Skywalker. I I obviously wish some things would have been handled differently. Sure. Uh, but
0: I'm a simple man to please when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> well, Jordan, that's all the time we have for today. No, i was kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then finally, finally, The Matrix Revolutions versus The Dark Knight Rises.
1: I am going to give this one to Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I've always liked Revolution, but I haven't always liked Rises. But every time I watch it, I grow to love it more and more. And it genuinely gets better for me every time I watch it.
0: Well, yes, I think that was a successful versus. Next, we uh, have the quintessential Matrix question, red pill or blue pill? I don't know. Part of me wants to say
1: red pill just because I would like to know. Or at least I would think I'd want to know. But at the same time, the real world in The Matrix sucks. <laughs> you know, it's real, It's pretty it's, bleak. It's pretty bad. And, you know, I could go from, yeah, it's fake. But, you know, I get to you know have this, you know, I, I'm sitting in my office right now surrounded by this massive Star Wars collection. And with my kids around me and all that yeah. stuff. Do I want to trade that for living in in rags and drinking my food every single time you know that's a that's a tough one i'd like to say red pill just you know because that's the cool thing yeah you know i want to know the truth but honestly i'm a big weenie
0: (laughs) keep them plugged in jordan stay plugged in it's okay that's Uh, right There are totally. no movies in the real world. <laughs> That's hilarious because you and my my guest last week, Mo, have said that now. They're like, are there movies in the real world? No. I, I, what am I supposed to do? Blue Pillow it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you guys have both given some convincing arguments for the blue pill, but I don't know. I think I'd I'd still stick with red pill. Life may be terrible in the real world, but I don't know. Now you guys have got me thinking that it does (laughs) suck suck too much. I kind of went out of order here, but uh, what would your matrix name be, and what would the first skill you download into yourself be?
1: Oh, man, matrix name. God,
0: I have no idea.
1: Uh, I would go with Job. Just as a Lawnmower Man reference. Yes, I love it. I'd probably be all, all about the Kung Fu. You also know like, Kung Fu. I love martial arts. I, I've spent 25 years of my life dedicated to martial arts. You're telling me I can learn a whole new martial art <laughs> in seconds? Absolutely. Sign me the hell up
0: for that. And Job keeps with the, uh, the biblical themes of The Matrix. The theme. biblical theme, too. It's We're like, not subtle. Final question. Who is the movie MVP? of the matrix revolutions who who stole the movie for you Uh,
1: you know i want to say there's one character i i just wanted to to keep sticking with and that was sarah and i know i know technically you know he came you know he had a bigger role in the last movie but i i love the idea of him and you know the You know, he he helped break Neo out. You know, they fought through hell and you see him trying to protect Sati and, you know, the offhand comment about how he's beaten Smith in the past. And there's just so much story potential there that I've always thought about, you know, if I wanted to tell a story set in the Matrix, it would be about him. Because there's so many so many cool aspects to him that we
0: don't get to see explored, but we get hints and teases of. He is just one of those really cool side characters that you just, you know they're well written when you're like, man, I could spend three more movies with this guy. I'm going, you know, this is the final installment of our Matrix series of the original trilogy. We're going to do... Some reckless speculation about Resurrections and then cover the Resurrections film itself. But I had Morpheus for the first movie. Mo and I both said the Oracle for the second movie. I just got to give it to Neo just because I can't go a whole trilogy without giving Neo the MVP. I mean, he he brought it home for Uh, us. Well, he literally is (laughs) the most valuable. Neo, we believe. We love you, man. You did it. Jordan, thank you for your time and for talking about The Matrix Revolutions. Your enthusiasm for it shines through, and I, I really appreciate the time. Is there anything that you want to plug on your end?
1: Uh, about the only thing I ever plug uh, when it comes to these type of things is on top of writing for Com, I also run a charity, a movie charity called Real Outreach, where I take kids that don't have it so good, and I uh, rent out movie theaters, and I take a whole group of kids from foster organizations and uh cps organizations and i give them the chance to see
0: recent releases in the movie theaters i'm literally like welling up starting to cry (laughs) i had researched, looked into that from your site and i didn't realize that that was it was actually you doing it yeah i started that a few years ago of course this past year you know
1: we kind of past couple you know year and a half we kind of got shut down with with everything and sure you know we're still kind of you know, waiting for things to be safe, but we've done some outdoor screenings. You know, I got a uh, movie projector and a big inflatable screen. So we've done a few like drive-in screenings as well to try and keep this thing going. So I'm really hoping, you know, when, as we go into the new year, we'll be right back to it. So we can always use help. So if you, you want to learn
0: more, check out com we'll link to that for sure that's incredible man that's beautiful i love it jordan it was a real pleasure thank you for talking about the matrix with us and uh thank you to learn more about best one since the next one follow us on Instagram at b1n1 pod if you've listened to us on the Apple podcast make sure to rate and review and subscribe to the show we're available anywhere you can listen to your podcast I'll spread the word stay tuned for next week when we go into some reckless speculation about the Matrix resurrections and then following that it's the big event the Matrix Resurrections itself yeah so thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time <laughs>
1: Oh!